0: Welcome to Globally Speaking, your program that explores everything and anything to do with language localization. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting global brands today? Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who's engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Renato and Michael.
1: Netflix has embarked in the most aggressive localization effort in history. In 2016, Netflix launched a service to 130 countries simultaneously. Everywhere in the world, this is unprecedented, really. It's one thing to localize a website or an app, even for a service that is available virtually in any device that has an internet connection. It's another thing to translate and subtitle or dub millions of hours of TV shows and movies, including original series, documentaries, and feature films. Netflix is a company that is known for its innovation and amazing management style. If you haven't read Reed Hastings presentation on SlideShare about freedom and responsibility, I strongly recommend that you take a look at that because it's a management class in 164 slides or something like that. In this show, Michael talked to somebody responsible for User experience at Netflix. And she shares with us the challenges of preparing the framework for launching such an amazing effort. One of the things that we need to keep in mind is we're calling this episode the Netflix effect. Occasionally, in the history of our industry of localization, a company launches a product that has a major impact in volumes. In 2006, Microsoft launched Vista, and we talked about the Vista effect at that time. Everybody had to change the base code of their software, and that required completely new localizations. There were not enough translators in the market to do that kind of work. Now, Netflix is doing the same thing. They're flooding the market, and they need good quality translators to do their job. Let's listen to the interview.
2: My name is Catel, Catel Gentro. If you pronounce it the French way, it's Catel Gentro. I have been in localization and globalization for the past 20 plus years. I started on the vendor side as a translator and then manager of translators for many years in the UK. And then I came to the US about six years ago and I, I switched to the buyer side. I've been with Netflix for about a year and a half, and here I am a language manager. I manage a team of in-house language specialists, and I am part of the globalization team at Netflix, which deals with pretty much anything localization and globalization related that is not subtitles and dubbing. So anything on the product, the UI, all the metadata, all the help, all the marketing and PR and all this kind of stuff, that's, that's us doing that.
3: So just sort of at a high level, how has the job at Netflix been different than other roles that you've had?
2: Prior to Netflix, I was with Box for three and a half years, and this was a really interesting gig because, although everything was done on a small scale, it was I had a lot of decision power within my small team of me for a while, and then I had a, another person and a few engineers who we used to work very closely. So here it's a much larger team. The means are very different. You know, the budgets and the the scale of everything is is much, much larger. That said, I think there is still this kind of, for lack of a better word, this startup feel to, to it where you can try things and if it doesn't work, then you change it and you try it again. And there's a lot of freedom. I mean, Netflix is known for this. You know, the whole freedom and responsibility. Mm-hmm. It is not just a thing that you put on a deck. It's a real thing. That's been great. I I kind of had that a little bit at Box, but on a much smaller scale. Mm. And here, uh, you know, it's a bit overwhelming sometimes because you're like, oh, really? I I can decide this. Is that okay? But yes. Yeah. You also work with a much larger team. You know, our team is like. 50 60 people so it's it's a much bigger scale and and the company of course you know and the uh the global is uh, on a much bigger scale if if that means anything it's 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 truly to be truly global
3: mm-hmm. i've i've heard it referred to as an achievers culture at netflix that whole responsibility plus accountability and and freedom tied together and that it's all about delivery and it is yeah And you guys have done that recently. It's like suddenly you had this global expansion into, was it 105 or 120 countries?
2: So in January 2016, the product was already available in about 30 countries. And wherever it was available, the local language was also available. So Latin America and... The UK and Ireland, but also France and Germany and Spain and Japan, the Benelux Nordic countries. So, and that was about 30 countries in total. And then in January 2016, we basically flipped a switch and we added about 130 countries to that. Oh, wow. So basically, Netflix all of a sudden was available anywhere in the world apart from China. And a handful of countries where we're not allowed to do business, like Syria and mm-hmm. uh, I think North Korea. And and we added at that time we added four new languages, which were not easy languages. We added the two Chinese, Korean, and Arabic at the same time. And I joined the company about a months, a couple of months before the global launch, which we we refer to as the global launch.
3: Yeah. And it was a remarkable accomplishment. Not, not every country had a distinct language. There were some launches that remained in English. Were there any other default languages that you used in other regions or are using in other regions right now?
2: Well, pretty much any, any language that is available in our UI, you can choose. So let's say, you know, if you're in a, if you're in Russia and you want to watch Netflix, Russian is not currently supported. The default will probably be English, but you can set it to another language. If you want, you can sell it to Polish. You can set it to French. You can set it to any other of the 23 languages that we support. And as we add language support, then, you know, you will get, so we launched just very recently, we launched, Thai support. Uh, So all of a sudden, we we also usually we have some PR and marketing efforts around it to say, Oh, you know, if you guys have been watching Netflix in Thailand, now you can also watch it in Thai and you can use the product in Thai and you will have a lot more subtitling and dubbing options as well Mm -hmm. in the content.
3: One of the things that your team's responsible for, because it's not just the marketing and the sign up and the workflows and the titles, also the online keyboards, that's right for each one of these i mean that that is a huge product advancement
2: yeah yeah, that's I wish I could take credit for this bundle that's that's our awesome uh, IATn team Tim Brendel and his team have been really really fantastic at supporting all the different keyboards that we do every time we we plan you know a new language launch they that's that's the first thing that they they look at into as part of the the internationalization effort so it's been you know in, with some languages more difficult than others but uh, yeah we have that for a TV UI and then all the devices that that we support pretty much
3: yeah well the netflix team presented at the bay area users group imug mm-hmm. for international machine users group and they showed some of the pictures and they're the online keyboards are actually works of art they're they're beautiful they're yeah just, they're pretty cool i was really shocked yeah.
2: We do, we do spend some time and we get, the of course, the input from, from the linguists and we test and retest. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of work goes into these. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Now, when you're working at this kind of scale, are people enough?
2: <laughs> are you asking me <laughs> if, we, if we're doing MT as well?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, MT may be one part of it. I don't, maybe there are other options too. <laughs> okay, so uh,
2: automation for sure. yeah Automation needs to be there. You cannot do scale without... You know, automation. There's only so much you can do by throwing bodies at the, at the work. And we are definitely trying to move away from that. So we have been building automations in the workflow and the tools to support the workflow. We are building our own localization platform, which includes, you know, all the workflow bits and also an editor and also connects to the different tools that we use internally at Netflix, which allows people to gain access to the right content that they need and the right context that they need. Especially when you do creative localization, context is everything. I mean, it is usually the case for translation, but especially when it's creative. We do give quite a lot of freedom to, to our translators for creative translation, but they do need that context. So we are building that, and that's an effort that is happening on the translation side, the PM side, and the QC side all over, and we're trying to really having a, a unified approach. On the empty front, we are exploring options, and we are currently doing some some tests with several engines. But so far, in the in the product, in the live product, there is we are not using it. So it's really at the piloting testing stage that we are. There's some obvious candidates for us, the help content, for instance. But we also, you know, exploring other other options.
3: Mm-hmm. So y- you achieved this remarkable number of countries to be launched in with with people. Does Netflix source that themselves?
2: So yes and no. It's a mix. I think originally, there was we were working mostly with one vendor. And then when we hired, and this was before my time, internal language specialist, they were given the mandate to just build their team. So they started hiring handpicked freelancers, and they built teams around that, working very closely with these people. As the as the volume grew there was a need for more so some of the content was sent to vendors because it was a little more flexible and they could do more volume as well and then for some of the languages we went directly to vendors because we didn't have language specialists you know for scalability we you know we couldn't hire somebody for each of the languages that that we launched after that so currently we have a mix of vendors which are MLVs and SLVs, but also freelancers. And we, we give the freedom to our language specialists to choose whatever they feel is the best for their language. Hmm. So if historically it's been a language that, that's that been uh, working only with freelancers, some of our language specialists said, well, you know, that that part there, I, I'd like to try that vendor, they've done some pretty good job and I, I would be quite happy for them to, to do that work. Or the other way around, we have people who've w- worked mostly with vendors, but they say, you know what, for that area, it's really highly specialized. I know a couple of really good freelancers who could do a really good job with that. So if that's the case, then they, they can do that can go and hire those people.
3: Yeah, it sounds like a very dynamic offering.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we're really trying to get what is best for that language and that market. Mm-hmm. We have the luxury of being able to do that. I, I, I do realize that it's, this is not a given in, in a lot of companies. So we really embrace that and, and, and use that as much as we can.
3: Yeah. And is the testing with MT just being like another option that your language owner would have an opportunity to use if they're comfortable with it or they feel like it applies?
2: Yes. So that's that's one of the approaches we're taking. We also, some of the measurements that we're doing right now is, is not even, you would not, as a translator, you would not even see the solution, but... Oh, the sorry the, the suggestion from the m t but we will still measure the difference between what you came up with eventually and what the mt came up, so we're doing a bit of both mm. it's really exploratory for the for the time being
3: yeah that that's awesome, and it's cool to hear about those tests. We look forward to hearing what you guys learn in that
2: yeah there should they should be if it's chosen, there should be a session at lock world in in November in Santa Clara
3: yeah, Netflix has had a culture of transparency in this area you guys released the subtitling tool years ago open source Mm -hmm. and it's just it's great the way that you've sort of shared what your learnings have been and the openness that's a that's a really great part of the netflix culture the other piece that i love is that this aggressive approach towards, or at least from the outside, it looks aggressive to go into all these countries, was announced by Reed Hastings, your CEO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> he has a lot of things he can talk about. And this was making frontline news. And it's actually brought the international element for you guys, for your competitors, to be really like, prominent. Yeah, I know how many languages Amazon Video is in. I know, like, and this, there's this great competition going on now, and consumers really seem to be winning. Can you talk about what it's like to work in that culture and what it means when the CEO is saying, yep, we're going to be in 100 countries?
2: Well, I mean, you know, it was pretty big news. So I'm glad that Reid did that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a big announcement. And the fact that Netflix is truly global is, I mean, it's one of the reasons, probably the main reason why I came here. Having international and, and global issues and, and challenges being at the, really at the top of the priorities for a company. You don't need to explain at Netflix why international users are, are important. I mean, if you look at the, the last, you know, results that we have, our quarterly results is our users, our new users come in majority now from international markets. So it's really a great benefit. And it's very, very exciting for localizers generally because you feel that what you do matters and it's not always the case we all believe that what we what we do matters but having it confirmed by the top people in your company and by generally the way that the company behaves and communicates externally is is fantastic for us for sure
3: so you have to have some stories because our listeners love stories <laughs> and they can be positive or challenging whichever but like what stories are you guys telling like lessons learned or things you were surprised about with this big accomplishment?
2: Uh, stories. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard because everything moves very quickly and you have to adapt constantly. And, you know, you may think, okay, you're going to start working on these languages now and then next week. Oh, no, you know what? Let's, let's hold off on these. And generally, we try We've had a, a broad approach in the sense that we've launched all these, all these countries at the same time and a lot of languages. But we know that we have to learn a lot on each of the markets that we are going into, especially when we add the language support, because all of a sudden we tell people, OK, we're really paying attention to you. So come and see us, but we, we're going to p- be paying attention. We're going to be investing in, in your market as well. The language bit is only... Part of it, mm-hmm. of course. You know, I I know very well that people come to Netflix not because they have a localized UI. They come to Netflix because of the content. We are an enabler. We make it easier for people, and we make it possible for some of them to actually understand what they're looking at and and use the product. But you know, people know Netflix because of House of Cards and Orange is the New Black and Stranger Things, not because we localize UI. Right. So. We are very mindful of this. And we also keep learning, again, what all the time what people want for a particular market. The scale of it makes it difficult to be very fast but also very precise in what we do and that's the challenge of a lot of the things we do we had last year a time where in korea it was pointed out (laughs) not very subtly by korean journalists that the font that we were using in our artwork was not appropriate and was not Mm. good enough and this was pointed out to our ceo in a press conference so it Mm. it wasn't great it (laughs) wasn't great for us in localization and we we learned from this you know and we said, okay, we need to be better at communicating from within the localization team, because we, we knew this, but we probably didn't communicate it well enough. And then we we worked to find better resources and better things to, to do and, and improve the quality. These are some of the things that, that we have to be mindful of. I mean, we know as localizers that the different cultures, you know, demand different things. We know that in Japan, people want a lot of local content, mm-hmm. and we are working a lot to building that. And from a localization standpoint, we've just gone through a whole exercise to, for instance, in our kids space, to adapt the terminology that we use, because we realized from feedback from users, we did some, you know, surveys and, you know, what we call quals. Where people sit with children for instance and and show them how you know how they use the product and and we realize well some of the words we 're using were not understood by the children, so we had to change our approach to some of it we We try to be humble in the way that that we tackle it. We have very good people working everywhere in all the in all the different areas, but there's always more more to learn from the users as well. And we, we are lucky that we are a company that is very much data driven. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of data from the product. We we can see how people use the product, what they watch on the product, and we get a lot of feedback this way. And and the feedback we don't get from the product use, we can get it by going directly to the user and asking them about how they use the product and what they were like. So it's great from, from our standpoint because we get that direct feedback more than just you know tweets, which we We also pay attention to, but you know we get all the data that we can get, and even with all the data, sometimes you get it wrong. But (laughs) we do our best; we really do.
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's getting it wrong quickly. I think is one of the things I see from from Netflix in this space is the shows that don't quite deliver tend to be disappear very quickly.
2: (laughs) Disappear? What do you mean? Well,
3: they're not as uh, uh, prominent. Maybe I just stopped looking at them. Maybe, but there's there are things that come to the forefront in my awareness much yeah, faster. So
2: I mean, keep in mind that we we release a lot of content. Yeah, we have uh, we've released probably to date over three hundred originals, and that's just the original content.
3: That's mind blowing. That's mind blowing.
2: <laughs> So you know, and and what what you personally see as Michael on the on the service is not going to be what your friend is going to see, not even your spouse in the same you know household.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Hopefully, not what your children are seeing.
3: Either. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so you know, just because there is some stuff that you didn't like, a lot of other users across the world really enjoy it, and it's really this customization that that makes netflix special as well so what you see this week there is there will be some content that we promote more heavily than others of course you know our big titles are promoted uh, across the board and then per market we will tailor this you know if you if you go to asia if you go to europe they will focus i mean there are the big ones you know the crown and the stranger things and the orange is the new black but there's a lot of other content that they will tailor their marketing campaigns around and you may have for instance in spain we've just launched our first spanish original las chicas del cable and this was heavily promoted in spain of course but not so much in the u.s Mm. i mean it's still there and you could still see it but you're probably not that aware of it if you live in spain you would be aware of it yeah (laughs)
3: yeah i i think even as you just bring up because i feel like i start to get my mind around the complexity of what you guys are doing you look at an original like narcos which is both in english and spanish Mm and and all that like and then to think about, well, what are subtitles are you choosing in that? And yep. like a decision as small as that. And then you start talking about releases that I don't even know about in Spain. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, whoa, <laughs> like it is so complex. <laughs> the The world, it's it's it definitely has pushed the limits of what I think most people think about in our industry.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. The scale of it is much larger than, than anything that is, I certainly have been involved before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's kind of mind-blowing sometimes, yeah.
3: So, Renato, as you can hear from this first conversation, there is
1: so much to be covered about Netflix. Well, Netflix is, has a monumental impact in the industry. And as I said in the beginning... There's going to be an increase in the demand for this type of talent. The talent that is able to subtitle, it's, it's an art, Michael. It's not as simple as doing any a text translation. You need to have in mind the timing. You need to know how to summarize content. You need to be able to be concise and clear at the same time.
3: Could this be an area that saves the industry from automation?
1: Well, I've heard the company saying that they have automated solutions for that. But you see, the beauty of Netflix, it's what I like to say. It's one thing to subtitle technical content because technical content is about nouns. You translate nouns and nouns are easy. There is an equivalency. But when you're translating art, you're translating adjectives. And adjectives are hard because they convey emotions and they, they change order depending on the order that one ad- adjective is in the sentence, if it gives emphasis or not. And being able to play with this is much harder than doing a technical video. So I would say Netflix is a way to protect the business. Yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So another point like our... Public service announcement here is that Netflix is recruiting translators. They developed a platform that is open to anybody, to individuals and companies to use it to test. It's called Hermes and if you our listener is interested in visiting it, the URL is tests.hermes.nflx.io. I'm going to repeat that. tests Dot Hermes dot NFLX dot IO. And here's the thing, Michael. This test is very hard. (laughs) I
3: I think we need to do an episode of you doing the test.
1: Well, I'm afraid I might fail in that. (laughs) But one of the interesting things that I heard is that professional translators were criticizing when Netflix announced that their platform was open for anybody to take the test. Mm -hmm. And then when the professional translators went there and took the test and failed, they said, wow, if somebody passes this test, they're really good and they deserve to be working. So here's a challenge for you, listener. Go take the test and tell us how you did. All right. This has been Globally Speaking, and thank you guys for listening. This podcast was produced by Burns 360. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, brought to you by Moravia. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. So until next time, please visit online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.